Welcome. My name's Jim. I'm happy to be with you today. I'm glad you joined me. You can find out more about us on babyboomertales.com. There are links to everything we do. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Let's get started. I'm calling this episode The Rainbow and the Strawberry. In 1972, I turned 22 years old. The area where I was raised in Colorado was a beautiful area, still is very, very beautiful. There's a lot of winter there, but the summers are absolutely gorgeous. And around the 4th of July in 1972, there's an event that happened there that people still talk about, if they're old enough to remember it. And it was called the Rainbow Gathering, where thousands upon thousands of hippies descended upon the little town and the county. And they were called the Rainbow People. Now, I want to just put a disclaimer here. This is not my place to judge whatever happened from any group or anybody there. I'm just trying to report my experience of that week or so the best I can to my regulation and I did do a little homework on it and what I remember I think goes along with stuff I found out about it on the internet when I googled rainbow family strawberry lake Colorado it's pretty fascinating actually let me read a little excerpt here from one guy's book who are the rainbow people we are brothers and sisters from all faiths and walks of life all races and creeds worldwide but we have no set membership and no leaders we include all people seeking peace everywhere where is the group based in the human heart well around the fourth of july nineteen seventy two all of a sudden All these hippies started descending upon where I was born and raised. And they were everywhere. They were on the roads. They were in the stores. People were closing the stores and trying to keep them out. Claiming all the stuff like from theft to uncleanliness. And if you saw or talked to any of them, what they were doing was trying to fulfill an old Hopi Indian prophecy saying a tribe of people have come to save the earth and that tribe is called the rainbows. So I guess they were trying to save the earth there in a wonderful, beautiful place on earth. And they went up and they were supposed to go to the Strawberry Lake, which is south of the big lake up there and have a big powwow or gathering Now, the sheriff's department and government agencies and whatever was right on top of it. And we live in a wonderful country where you are free to do whatever you want as long as you're not infringing on others' rights. And I guess them coming into town by the hordes and doing whatever they do there was not infringing on citizens' rights, but it was very stressful. One of the so-called leaders or visionaries or something was back in New England and he was pondering about the rainbow gathering in Colorado. 
and he received a vision where he saw a meadow in his mind with children playing in it, all to the tune of the Beatles song, Strawberry Fields Forever. Another flash of the vision showed him at a wagon wheel. Now, I believe in a town 27 miles from the town I grew up in, there was a restaurant, and maybe it's still there, called the Wagon Wheel. Apparently, this guy had a meeting with this guy, Paul, that lived around town, and he owned a bunch of property, and he was the ditch rider for the Strawberry Ditch. And apparently, in their talks, and they made an agreement that they could stay on Paul's property up by the Strawberry, but somebody had a vision that on Table Mountain, you could see a white buffalo. If you looked at the mountain, I mean, there was a vision of a buffalo, white buffalo there on, I guess, the side of the hill. And so that became, between Strawberry Lake and the Table Mountains, it became a focal point for the Rainbow family. And so as they descended upon the town, they did find their way up to Paul's property up there by Strawberry Lake. It was very hard on people. People were freaking out, and I don't blame them. I lived at the Jap camp during that time, and I remember one rancher kept coming down because he heard rumors that we were bringing them in by the busload. And in truth, what we were doing was we were watching the fence lines and making sure none of them came on our property. They had made my life very, very hard. I was just a local boy, and all of a sudden, People looked at me like I was one of them. I was probably even accused of helping arrange all this, and that could be the furthest thing from the mind. I know I was a little tripped out, and I thought I was an Indian, but I never thought I was a Hopi Indian. I thought I was an Arapaho Indian. And I pictured myself as a mountain man, and not some nomad that went from festival to festival. One time during that time, I went into the, the big tourist town at the lake up there, and there's just too much going on. So I was driving home, and all of a sudden, a state patrol stopped right in the middle of the road, jumped out of his car, and thumbed me over to the side of the road. I was meeting him on the highway. So I stopped, and all of a sudden, I had cops and game wardens and all these people, probably about 10 of them, around me, telling me to put my hands on the truck and all this stuff. And what is going on? And I knew who the one state patrolman was. He's a brand new state patrolman up there, and I didn't know him, but I knew his name. And long story short, I didn't have a license plate on the front of my truck. So I got a ticket, and they you know, searched me, and everyone was very uptight. So going home, I had to drive about five or six miles on an old gravel dirt road. And there's my license plate laying in the road. It just shaken off. A couple days later I had to go to court and I went in there and I knew the judge of course a very small area and I told him what happened and they dismissed the charges. I'm glad to say I never had a traffic ticket that ever stuck until I was about 55 years old. And then I got one and I haven't received one since. But they tried to put one on me that day Thank goodness I was always on the up and up or I might have found myself in the jail. But that's how people were overreacting there because there was, one account I read, 35,000 people. Now that's not Woodstock and I can't even imagine. 
but 35,000 people, a whole lot for a county that has maybe 4,000 at the time. Well, so they were up there at the Strawberry at their encampment, and they were pretty tripped out, I think. One account said most folks went for more healthy thrills. However, I liked the hot rocks heated in the sweat lodge near the ice-cold lake. Getting plenty cooked in the steam bath and jumping into the lake was super refreshing. I did it. It felt fantastic when you hit the water and you come up after being submerged and here was this beautiful pristine lake surrounded by awesome mountains touching the sky. I'm sure it was refreshing. If you jump in that lake, even water skiers wear wetsuits. If you jump in that lake, it would take your breath away. One time we had a pond back there at the Jap camp and whenever I walked by that pond I'd always throw the dogs in. One time I was with this girl and threw the dogs in and she said something. I said, well, let's go swim. And I tore off my clothes and I jumped in. And I remember looking, opening my eyes when I was underwater and I could see all this growth of plant life. And I came up and the water was so cold, it took my breath away. And I had to kind of struggle to get back to the bank and pull myself out. I thought, how stupid are you? You could have drowned there just because it actually seized me up. So I can imagine those guys getting all way out there in the steam lodge and jumping into the lake. I can imagine. But I was never related myself as a hippie. I never wore tie-dye. I never lived on a commune. I never had a Volkswagen bus. Well, at the height of their celebration and the fulfilling of their prophecies, they met on either Little Table or Big Table Mountain. And the place I lived, the property came up to those mountains. And the, the mountains were kind of hills with a flat mesa on top of them. And that was their name, Little Table and Big Table Mountains. And so hundreds of them met up there. And old Paul apparently the prophecy said that the vision was a white man dressed in robes would lead them and the rumor was they were going to walk down to the big lake and find this big sea monster come out of the lake which was not even practical or real because that uh, reservoir was made in the very early 1950s i don't think even a fish should get a chance to grow that big but so they all converged down at the lake and then as far as i know the festival was over and they all went home and we all tried to get our lives back to normal. It was quite a time. My dad and mom asked me and my buddy Roger to go with them to a picnic up there at the tribe and I thought my dad had lost his mind. So we went up there and they're just a bunch of hippies in my opinion. Now, if you belong to the Rainbow family, I'm just telling you what I experienced and thought during those days. I know a lot of people thought I was dirty and scuzzy. I lived out in a place with no running water, no electricity, or hardly any electricity. Some old log cabins, some Japanese I made years before. But it was different. It was different. It's all a matter of perspective. My perspective was... They've infringed on my territory and upset my way of life. I am pretty easy going 
when it comes to being able to adapt to situations. And maybe I would have been better if everywhere I went, I wasn't viewed as one of them. But people have known my whole entire life. Well, all things come to an end, and that came to an end, and life got back to normal, and eventually I cut my hair and became a little bit normal in their eyes. I love those people up there. I don't think they really deserve to have that happen to them. No matter how temporary it was, it put everybody on high alert. Now, I know the Rainbow folks, they go somewhere every year. They've even gone to Bosnia before for one of their festivals. How they get there, I have no idea. I don't even care. I have no desire to have that lifestyle, and I never did. Yet I understand with a normal, middle-class person could have looked at me in my early 20s and associated me with that. What do they say? You can't judge a book by its cover. It was pretty far out. My dad and mom going up there with those hippies. I couldn't believe it. I just sat there with Roger and my mom and my dad. and All I could think as I looked around me was, these aren't my people. Then I looked at my mom and dad and I thought, these are my people. These are my people. I lived up there till I was about 40 years old and now I, I live closer to my wife's family. Those mountains were a wonderful place to have been raised and to live, to raise my kids until they're about eight. But I went back for my 50 year high school reunion and things definitely changed. And I go back every few years and look around. I've spoken of that. I don't know if I could ever live there again. Nine months of winter just does not sound great, but there is no more beautiful place on earth in the summertime. Maybe that's why all those Hopi Indians went up there, searching for a white buffalo. Kindness is so important. Everything you do, everything you say, everything you dream for. Let kindness surround it and engulf it. Let kindness become part of you. That's all I have this week. Just wondering about strawberries and rainbows and smiling a little. I'll be back next Wednesday. Peace out.